to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And we'd like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and our series on parables and object lessons. And uh, for reference, this is Parables and Object Lessons, program number 27. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about the parables and the object lessons and how Jesus used the physical world to introduce spiritual truths. And I think that is kind of fascinating because even if you're talking about your physical body, um, the health of your physical body, you can make all kinds of um, comparisons to spiritual health. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, you talk about exercise. You talk about exercising your faith and exercising your muscles. They'll both get stronger. You talk about feeding yourself with the right food and mm -hmm. feeding yourself spiritually with the right food. So it's a great, uh, you know, Jesus going around using the physical world to. As a type of a teaching method. A teaching tool because God's ways, and we're going to find out in, in this lesson and in the next one that that God's ways don't change, whether they're in the physical world or the spiritual world. It's mm -hmm. it's it well, all works the same. There are laws that <laughs> that we can't disobey. Well, you know? and, but I think too is I think the the good thing about it is that um, it it makes it easier to understand. There are no mysteries beyond um, that the human mind can like dream up. So. Jesus came and he explained things at the basic level so that all of us can have... Could grasp it. Right, and to grow in our understanding of who God is. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. And that's, I've really enjoyed doing this series. Uh, Susan, would you begin with a word of prayer, please? Yes. <clears throat> our loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for an opportunity to open your word and to look at your teaching tools and the methods that you... Um, help us to all learn through your object lessons. We pray now that you will send your spirit to guide and direct our speech. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, remember last time we did uh, we did our program on the foolish rich man and how he had, you know, kind of stepped back and said, I'll pull my barns down and I'll build bigger barns. And he was feeling pretty good about himself. And really what happened, I think what the lesson was, was that he forgot all about God and that God was the provider in everything, you know? Well, and I think, too, is that um, he was extremely self-focused on, you know, what he wanted and... His agenda. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess we're going to talk about the agenda the, coming up the, in this. I think so, yeah. And this, this time we're going to talk about saying and doing. And I, this chapter, uh, this and this program today is based on Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 32 and susan would you would you go ahead and read that for us please yes a certain man had two sons and he came to the first and said son go work in my vineyard 
He answered and said, I will not, but afterwards he repented and went. And then the father came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, they said him, the first one, the first did. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, that's interesting text because that that Jesus would come and he would say that, that he would he would actually say that we have to do something. Because aren't there going to be people that scream up, as soon as you say that you've got to do something, there's people that jump up in the air and scream, that's works, that's works, that's works. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But Jesus, he says. Who who did the will of the Father? Who did the will of the right. Father. Right. Right? So he's trying to explain to the people that were listening you know, a a basic principle. Uh, Okay, and that's good. See, because the test of sincerity is not in words, but it's in deeds. Jesus doesn't say to anybody, what say ye more than others, but what do ye more than others? Matthew 5, 47. Right, and his words are full of meaning. He says, "If, if you know these things, happy are if you do them. That's John 13, 17. Words are of no value unless they are accompanied with the appropriate action. This is the lesson taught in the parable of these two sons. You know, and and, and we, you know, we were up in Tahoe a while back, and we were sitting around talking with our friend Johnny, and 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 we were talking about intentions and behavior, and he said something really interesting. Um, number one, in, intentions are simply followed by more intentions. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but behaviors are intentions followed by a decision followed by action. See, growing into a new person requires these steps. A behavioral change is, is not done between the ears. It only starts there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's why we're not to judge others because when we judge others, we're judging them on their behavior. And then we always like to turn around and judge ourselves on our intentions. You know, and that's that's what we were talking about up there. And it just like there was a moment of clarity, you know. Um, I'm one of the best intention persons you're going to ever meet. In fact, judged on my intentions, there's a halo over my head. But but I don't always follow up with my intentions. I don't follow them with action. See, there comes a time in each of our lives, if we listen to the Holy Spirit, and we really do some honest reflection, that we can see that our actions don't always match up to our intentions. See, I intend to write a new book. I really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. I intend to have stronger devotional life. I, I intend to treat Susan better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I intend to put the needs of others first. But then I notice my prayer life is God help me with my agenda, mm-hmm. which I see my intentions are to do these, but they're not followed by action. And I, I still have my own agenda and I'm asking God for help with my agenda rather than asking him what is his agenda. Mm-hmm. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a, a, a lot of us can get crossed up. And, and we, you know, like we were talking when we were sitting around 
the other day we were ta- we were talking about the tendency to judge ourselves on our own intentions and the tendency to judge others on on actions. When when I got that tap on the shoulder mm-hmm. from God when I was out there using drugs and treating everybody horribly, 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 I act, God actually showed me my actions, mm-hmm. and that was a moment of clarity for me. And, and I I looked into the past and I saw what I did, mm-hmm. not what I intended to do or how I thought I was and, or, or, you know, because that's, that's really nothing. Right. But when you look at what you do, how you behave, how you act, how you treat others. And when you see the reality of that, and as we get into today, we're going to, we're going to see that that's a really big part of the conversion process. Right. And I think that not only that, but you know, you'll find that people who are struggling with addictions, they always want to, they want to capitalize on their intentions instead of what their actual actions are. And until we become accountable for that, for the harm that we've done or to recognize how we've been acting and treating others. And it's really hard. You know, it, you, you know, we can go back to Adam and Adam in the Adam in the garden. He's like, but she, yeah, and you, immediately. You, you know, he's not ever taking um, accountability for what his actions were. Yeah. And we inherited that. Right. And we think that that is, well, that is natural, right. but we, we, we say like it's okay. Color, right. We'd like to look at other people's actions, not our own. Exactly. Right. Look at the other person's actions, but judge ourselves on our own intentions. And then we look a lot better. See, and that's right. why Jesus said, and I think it's in that context that Jesus is saying, number one, don't judge others. Get the, get the, the plank out of your eye mm-hmm. because you, you don't see how you really are. You can see other people's actions, but you don't look back and look at your actions. Right. Well, and I think it's about, you know, about being truthful with yourself yeah. and being, you know, honest as to, you know, what's really going on inside of your head. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you have good intentions? Um, I try to have good intentions. I hopefully I try to also follow up on those intentions. I think I think I always have I I make um a bigger list for my intentions than I can ever fulfill. So oh. it kind of puts you in a place where you're always behind no matter what. I'm one of those persons. You know, I'm more of an intention of you know, I got all these intentions, this list of to-dos on my to-do list. Right. And then they're all overwhelming and, and it's, then you fall short. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. But in building that nice list, mm-hmm. it's all good. It's a good, yeah. You sound it's like a, a great list. person. You got a good long yep. list. Yeah. You, you know, and that's the thing. And that, building the list, we feel pretty good about building that list. You know, mm-hmm. this would be great. That would be great. Or, or even, you know, I think you can go to the other end of the spectrum is that we build our list so high that it's like, well, I'm never going to manage it anyway, so I'll just let the list go. And then you don't never follow through on anything, mm-hmm. let yeah. alone, you know, having a list of good intentions. You just kind of fall back into the you know. Well, you know, and, and, and then the other thing is if we, we if we compare, so we've got the list over here of everything we intend to do, and mm-hmm. we compare that list to other people's actions, we can look pretty mm-hmm. smugly superior, if you will, mm-hmm. as long as we have our intention list mm-hmm. going on, mm-hmm. whether we're, whether or not we fulfill that, whether or not we follow through on that, mm-hmm. we're, we're still looking at our list versus someone else's actions. Right. And I think it's about, you know, being in the present. You know, living, you know, remember what we were talking about, the clap, right? Yeah, between the two claps. Between the two claps. Living in the moment. Right, where Jesus wants us to live and to 
to take in all the principles that we learned from him and exemplify them in our lives, not just in our thoughts. Not just in our thoughts. Hidden somewhere in yeah, the I, uh, recesses of our mind. Yeah, I'm one of the best intended tensions persons you're ever going to find, but but I don't I don't act that way. Right. You know? And, right. Uh, that's the hard thing. Right. That's the hard thing. Um, so, yeah, when we look at ourselves and others through that... Mm, twisted subjective lens judging ourselves on our intentions we get into trouble right and this is what the wrong picture of god can all do also when we get into that point of looking at life through a twisted lens the last thing that we want is evidence that is contrary to our beliefs this to me is the main point of the parables uh, at this particular parable that the two different pictures of god yeah um and as we get into this, we'll see the two different pictures. I think hopefully they'll come clear. Um, see, when the father went to the first son saying, go work today in my vineyard, the son promptly answered, I will not. Now, spiritually, what does that mean? He refused to obey. In other words, he did those things that were harmful to himself and others. That's what it means not to obey God. It just seems simply means to do things that will harm yourself and others. Um Put simply, love God and love your neighbor. That's obedience. But afterwards, he repented and he obeyed the call. Correct. And then the father went to the second son with the same command, go work on my vineyard today. And the son said, I go, sir. But then he didn't go. So as we see in the parable, the father represents God. The two sons represent the two classes of people. The son who refused to obey, saying, I will not represented those who are not interested in God. Right, but many of these repented and obeyed the call of God. So when the gospel came to them from John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand, they repented and they confessed their sins. That's okay. Matthew 3, 2. Yeah, and then this is this gets back to the point like you're talking about is this these two pictures of God. See, why couldn't the Pharisees win these people over? Mm-hmm. Because they had a different picture of God than John did. Their God picked winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Their God was exclusive. Their God threatened to torture you if you didn't love him, which is exactly what they did to Jesus. Right. Their God was a God of rules contrary to the principle of love. Their God helped them attempt to overcome their fears with pride and self-centeredness, which is also contrary to the law of love. Their God was contrary to to Jesus. And that's why when they saw Jesus, they rejected him and they said, there's no way this could be God. Right. And in the son who said, I go, sir, and didn't go, the character of the Pharisees was revealed. Like this son, the Jewish leaders were defiant and they were extremely self-sufficient. The religious life of the Jewish nation had become a con. Yeah. And you know, uh, it's a business. It's big business. Right. And if you think about religion today, some of it is big business. Mm-hmm. You know, is there self-sacrifice? Is there a lot of intentions, but not a lot of action? Well, and I think that, you know, so we can only l- look at Jesus and look at our own actions. Our own and, little. And, and recog- you know, come to grips with what we're doing right right in our own sphere of influence if you will absolutely because jesus came to reveal to them the principles of the law of love 
and the Jewish leaders rejected him. He had given the leaders of his day abundant evidence of his authority and his power, and even though they were convinced, they wouldn't accept the evidence. Now, can we just talk real briefly about the law of love? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. When we talk about Jesus used the physical world mm-hmm. to introduce spiritual truths, right? Mm-hmm. And I, there's another law. Do, do, was was your nephew was was our nephew Bentley was he swimming? He was pool, swimming yesterday. Yes. What did he have to obey in order to learn how to swim? Well, he the first rule was to learn that he could he could not breathe underwater. Okay, there's a law that says right. It's a law of respiration. Right. You don't breathe underwater. Right. right? And so if you do, you drown. Right. right. So God's not going to change that law of respiration to, to meet somebody. Let's say that you're 10 feet underwater and you're out of breath. God can't change the law of respiration to meet you in your fallen condition. You need to be pulled out of the water and restored back to the way the law of respiration works. In other words, restored back to what is intended, to right? To breathe oxygen. To breathe oxygen, right. right? Right. He needs to put you back into harmony with the laws of the way the physical world works. Right. So the same thing with Jesus came to try to put us back into harmony with the way that God's universe works. With the spiritual laws. With the spiritual right. laws, the laws of love, the laws of giving. Remember, you you know, if you give, I'll give back. Press mm-hmm. down, you can't contain it. If you take care of your bodies and your spiritual lives, the the nations around you will be drawn to you. Mm-hmm. You know, just it, it's just the way things work, right? But they went against this law of love. They became exclusive, selfish, self-centered, prideful, totally against the way Jesus is taught and therefore it their their nation perished it right. didn't work right yeah because ultimately that's what happens if you if you um you know this whole planet is living outside in one way or another the whole planet i think is living outside god god's spiritual laws his original plan absolutely yeah. the majority of it you yeah know, the majority of it are i need to take care of me and mine mm-hmm. and make sure that i have what i need and disregarding to everybody else that you're involved with. And that's not the principles that God created this universe for. Yeah, so the law of love is is what uh, he's put others first. Right, so you see Jesus and you see how he came as, I mean, he could have come as, you know, the king of kings, right? But he came as a pauper and he didn't have anything. And he continued to give in in order to restore people that came into his life. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't coerce, he didn't force, he didn't whip. Right. He came and as he, a force of restoration. Yeah, he came as as an administrator of physical health and spiritual health and 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 lived his life according to the law of love. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees saw that and totally rejected it. Right. Right. Their picture- and so that's the thing. It's like, do you know, in our everyday life, do we go through and do we see that law and do we say, hmm? I think I need to, you know, be more concerned about me and mine, or mm-hmm. are we, you know, open to that real plain principle of giving? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. See, because after now, after giving that parable of the two sons, Jesus asked the question, which of them did the will of his father? The first, the Pharisees said, without realizing they were pronouncing sentence against themselves. Then came the denunciation from Jesus. Verily I say to you that publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you by the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. 
But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Right. They rejected him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, John the Baptist, he came preaching truth, and by his preaching, sinners were convicted and converted. These people would go into the kingdom of heaven before the ones who, in self-righteousness, resisted the message. And that message, of course, was these people that wore their sin on their sleeve, if you will, mm-hmm. the harlots and the, you know, the drunks and this and that, they were able to look and judge themselves on their own actions. Right. You know, I remember I got that tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, it was a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Look what I have done. Mm-hmm. Look what I have done, you know. And see, they didn't like what they saw, and I didn't like what I saw. And so they, they back in the day, they like I say, they're wearing their sin on their sleeve, and they knew what they had done wrong, and they were not happy with their lies. And so they were baptized by John the Baptist. But the religious teachers, they were hypocrites. Their own stubborn hearts were the obstacle to their receiving the truth. They resisted the spirit of the, uh, the conviction of the Spirit of God, and they, they didn't love their neighbors. Right. You know? Yes, and in the parable of the son who said, I go, sir, represented himself as faithful and obedient, but the time proved that his profession wasn't real. He had no true love for his father. It's the same thing with the Pharisees. They prided themselves on their holiness, but when they were tested, it was found deficient. They had no true love for God or for their fellow man. God called them to be co-workers with him in, the, in blessing the world and why they professed that they accepted the call in action they refused. And that was the important part. They, they professed, see, they had an intellectual assent to and the I truth. And I think that is so easy to fall into yeah. that trap. You yeah, know, it's I, it's easy, you know, when, when we both first came, got clean and sober, it's so, it back then it was like, wow, there's such a, there's such a contrast between light and darkness when somebody first gets clean and sober, when you first give your life to the Lord, that it's, it just is like hits you. And then it almost seems like the more comfortable you get or the more assured. I don't know what it is, but it's kind of like you can be lulled into this, um, this I don't want to say fake religion. Sense of false security? I guess. I don't know. I know God wants us to feel secure because right. I know his salvation is complete. But I think that we can sometimes fall into a trap where we we lose sight of what true religion really is. Mm-hmm. You know, and true religion is to take care of the needy, to feed the poor, to, you know, to to um, help the widows and the fatherless and, you know, to have that life that Jesus had displayed to us. Could we say that we can't be saved in indolence and inactivity, that there's no such thing as a truly converted person living a useless life? Because for me, uh, the way I see it, those who refuse to cooperate with God on earth wouldn't cooperate with him in heaven. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's angels up there that lost one third of their friends and families and neighbors. Mm-hmm. This thin, sin thing on this planet is real. Mm-hmm. This selfishness right. that we possess 
by an inheritance this is real. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wants to eradicate that fear that causes to act out that, in selfishness. Right, that infection that's infe- a virus it, is infecting right. our being. Yeah. You know, perfect love doesn't cast out anger or jealousy. Perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. And it's that fear that causes us to act out in selfish manner. And we inherited it from Adam when he said, the woman that you gave me, mm-hmm. both he blamed everybody in the room but himself. And we're all acting out the same way. And Jesus wants to cast... He wants to cast that out, that right. fear, so that we can really look at how we're behaving. Right. Do, you know, those that do his will, you know, not those that think his will, right. those that say his will, it's those that do his those will. Those that take up his crossing and they carry it. They carry right? it. They, they actually sacrifice, you know. They sacrifice for the good of, for others. The good of others. And yeah. it's in their DNA now. He is, they're a new creature you know, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, you know, and we see that, we see that uh, throughout the disciples, they end up following him and after the Holy Spirit, boom, that's what they're doing. Right. It's a fantastic, it's a beautiful thing. People, you can get a hold of us, www.justasiamministries.com. And remember folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 